BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast Tuesday edition. I am Sterling Holmes. No Matt Connor. He is taking a nice, well-deserved early vacation. So Patrick Allen is with me. Patrick, I love this because I feel like you and I always cross paths like ship in the night. But now <laughs> you and I get to hang out and I'm really excited. Patrick, yeah. how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm doing really well personally, professionally, when it comes to the Chiefs. Pretty frustrated. I'm a pretty frustrated guy. I know a lot of our listeners out there are frustrated. Hopefully, I provided them with some therapy last night, um, a little vent session, and hopefully you and I today can make them feel even better about the future here. Yeah, the Justin Watson game didn't quite go as planned, but yet here we are. The Chiefs fall to the Eagles. And it's a lot of the same issues that we have seen time and time again. We'll get to some of the positives because I do think there actually is a lot of um, positive takeaways you can take. Again, this is the NFL. You know, moral victories are few and far between. This is not third grade T-ball where everyone gets a orange and a uh, one of those little Kool-Aid jammers post game. Doesn't happen in the NFL. But there are some positives I think you can take. But some of the overarching thoughts I had outside of the wide receivers, some of the issues that I kept saying are going to get better as this season is going to progress have yet to get better. And that comes down to the red zone. You know, I, I keep saying the Chiefs are too talented. Year after year after year, the red zone is typically where they they make their money. They're very good. We saw one great play that Andy Reid drew up. You know, it was MVS on a nice pick route where he actually ran a route so he does not get called for a pick. Travis Kelsey was running a little flat into the end zone, wide open. It was beautiful. I go, okay, that's what we have been waiting on. But then you see the rest of the game. You see the fact that Mahomes decided to throw his worst, most ill-advised throw of the game. Justin Watson, again, I don't know if I make that throw necessarily, but if you make that throw, you have to throw to the pylon, not underneath, not short, not right to the pylon. That can't happen. And then Travis Kelsey. So your two best players letting you down with turnovers in the red zone. But it feels like every single game, Patrick, Every single game we're sitting here going, yeah, man, well, how often does that happen? How often does Mahomes make a, a bad, ill-advised throw in the red zone? How often does Travis Kelsey fumble? How often does this, that, or the other thing happen once the Chiefs get to the red zone? But the trend I am noticing, every week, almost every single week, the Chiefs struggle mightily in the red zone. They were, what, fourth going into this game in yards per play? That's indicative of a very, really good offense. But what happens when they get to the red zone? 
17th, 18th in touchdown percentage. You know why? Because they are buns in the red zone. Patrick, this is who they are. I'm tired of being positive, saying positive regression is coming. I don't believe that. Yeah, I'm with you. And I don't even know that it's necessarily just about the red zone, although that's a, a fair point, right? That's where you have to execute. And the Chiefs failed miserably with the two turnovers in last night's game. It's a it's an execution issue all around for them. They're not a smooth, well-oiled machine on offense like they have been. They've got lots of talent um, and a great quarterback and a great offensive play caller. That's why you have some of the, like the stats that you mentioned about where they were in yards per play. But the way that the Chiefs have to execute on offense, it's different than the Tyreek Hill days, right? We saw it last year. Teams were saying, hey, look, our best bet with this Patrick Mahomes dude is to make him matriculate the ball down the field. The more plays we make them run, the better chances that we have that something's going to go our way, right? We get a sack or they get a penalty or there's a drop, something like that. And maybe we can stop them on enough drives to where we can stay in the game. Well, all of those things are happening for the Chiefs right now because they're not a disciplined offense. They're getting the penalties. They're getting the drops. They're getting the bad decisions. And what's ending up happening, I think, is between the between the 20s, Teams are afraid of Patrick Mahomes, so they're, they're willing to let them move the ball a little bit and get down into that red area. They're going to give them room. But when things start to tighten up down there, when you start running out of space, well, now the Chiefs really have to execute to score, and they can't execute consistently. They're not a consistent – they're not a bad offense. They're not a consistent offense, and that's just absolutely crushing them. And we've seen it the last couple of weeks in the second half of games. They can't, once defenses figure out what Andy's plan is and what they're doing, the offense can't execute. They can't be consistently executing enough for them to score points. They don't adjust, right? The first half, things go to plan and they're, they're fine. We keep saying, how many weeks have we said, all right, the Chiefs offense looks back in the first half? Yeah. What happened in the second half? Yeah, I said, I said it last night that pretty much their game plan right now is to, on offense, is to hope but it's to is to score a touchdown with their with their scripted plays, get those seven mm-hmm. points. And then from there on, it's hope that they can score about 10 more points the rest of the game on offense. And then hope the defense plays like the 85 Bears. A bonus is if the defense gets a score, right? If the defense gets a score, then they only need like three more points. And if they can get to 17 or 21, they can win. It used to be with the Chiefs, hey man. If the defense can just hold the opposing team to 24 points or fewer, the Chiefs can probably win. That's not the case anymore. Now the defense needs to hold the opposing offense to 17 points or fewer. So another thing that you mentioned with the with the offensive flow is that because this is not a uh, consistent offense, the Chiefs now don't have as much room for error that they used to have. I mentioned this last night. You had Tyree Kill. You could be in a fourth and 25 Tyreek's down there somewhere. Kelsey, between the two of those guys, you're going to convert maybe 40% of those when you got Mahomes because Mahomes can run. Tyreek, Kelsey. Now, they Kelsey, Mahomes, they can't make any mistakes. Zero. They have zero room for error. So you go into a game last night where they both make crucial mistakes, you're toast against a good team, you're toast. And maybe against a bad team too. Well, it's the lack of explosive plays. And I don't want to say and keep going back to the Tyreek Hill days because they did it last year with Juju Smith-Schuster, who was not an explosive player in his own right. You look at Juju this year, he was not going to fix anything. Dude has been atrocious in New England. You can't get PT there, yet getting PT here. But, but what it comes down to is when you don't have these explosive plays, 
you can't hit on any deep balls. I mean, they've. When was the last time they've hit on a legit deep ball in a game? I <laughs> I can't recall, man. Or at I least with any sort of consistency. I mean, like yeah. it's not. I'm not just saying it's Patrick's fault because Patrick laid the ball directly into MVS's hands. One point, MVS looked like ran the wrong route. At one point, it looked like Justin Watson ran the wrong uh, route. But going back to what you said, if you are not consistently able to make a big play downfield, if you consistently drop the ball, you can't have penalties. You can't. You can't have a run that goes for zero yards. And now, now it's second and ten, and you were behind the sticks. Yeah. This game, this team is not explosive offensively. And, and why they stopped running the ball a little bit in the second half? What happened? They were getting penalties, pre-snap penalties. They're getting holding penalties. You, you know, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith. As much as Jawan Taylor has improved, he's been a pretty good right tackle as far as pass blocking metrics go. With all those penalties, if you're setting your team up now and first and twenty. First and 15, and you don't have the explosive plays, it takes your ability to run, throws it away. Because now what's going to happen? You run for five yards, but now you're in second and 10. This Chiefs team is not explosive enough to to have these mental lapses. And it's very frustrating. Andy Reid's a great head coach, but a hallmark almost of his team in a negative sense. His team typically gets a lot of penalties. Just just, that's that's been the kind of knock against him uh, throughout his career. And so when you have these penalties, everyone keeps saying run, 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 because they were very effective in the first half running against the Eagles. The Eagles gave him 66 yards per per game on the ground. They went over 100 in the first half. They were dominating. Jawan Taylor had a beautiful pull. Travis Kelsey looked like George Kittle blocking out there. But then what happened? They got behind the sticks in the second half, and it took the run game out. That is why the Chiefs often started to stall. Yeah, they're just again, they're not disciplined. They're not disciplined. They don't have a margin for error. Their their receivers are generally poor. So they can't overcome mistakes like they used to. You're right. They need to stay ahead of schedule. They need to stay ahead of the sticks. And it it it's just the, the worst thing that can happen to this. I, I mentioned this last night. It reminds me a little bit of we got a little spoiled because you know when when Alex Smith was a quarterback. It was like the Chiefs got into a third and long situation. You were like, oh, man, well, we, we're punting. Like, we're not going to convert a third and ten. Just It just didn't happen. And then you got Mahomes, and you were converting like 35 40% of your third and 15s because he was so incredible, and you had Tyree Kill. That's, those days are, at least right now, those days are done. Mahomes might scramble a little bit, but it's very, very difficult to pick those up and those kinds of plays up in the NFL. The Chiefs just don't have the horses. And I've I've got a I've got an idea for something they can do that might help that we can get to here in a minute. But at the end of the day, they just have to play more disciplined football. And so far, they have not shown the ability to do that. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Fifty. Then. Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. One thing that has been perpetually frustrating to me is Kadarius Tony will show glimpses during the game. But then the Chiefs say they're they're trying to hold him back. You know, he's still recovering from the injury, this, that, and the other. So you'll put him out as a punt returner where he looks absolutely electric. But you know the dangers of putting an injury-prone guy at punt returner, right? And then you use him for 22 snaps offensively, 28%, 22 snaps. To put it into perspective, Justin Watson had 50 snaps. Rasheed Rice had 45, which, by the way, he should get way more than 45. Uh, Sky Moore had 40. MVS had 37. Noah Gray had 32. McCole Harmon had 16. Tony, 22. What are we doing here? Like, you you are using, should I say, lack using, your maybe most talented wide receiver. You know, I think, I think Rasheed Rice might get that, that title at this point. But your second best? A guy who, when the ball's in his hands, great things happen. He can make a dude in a phone book miss him. Like, I don't understand this. You keep saying you're trying to hold him back and yet use him as a punt returner? Yeah. Like, where's the, the, the disconnect? I, I get they're lying to us. I understand that. I don't expect them to be completely truthful all the time. But at some point, put your playmakers on the field. You say you use Watson and, and MVS because you trust where they're going to be. Well, if they don't know where they're going to be, then put Tony, your more talented guy, out there. I get so frustrated with the lack of, well, he's not a veteran. Maybe he doesn't know the playbook. Yeah, well, guess what? Your veterans don't know the playbook either. Yeah. it's Listen, Watson is a nice player. He is. But last night, he was being used basically like a go-to starter. That's He's just not that guy. He's not ever going to be that guy. He's a rotational backup. He's somebody that basically exactly what he was last year for the Chiefs. You want him to come in, make an occasional two or three plays for you a, a, a game, and that's it. To be, to have a good offense, I just do not agree, and they've been doing it since week one, this rotation thing with all these receivers. Every time you'd see Rasheed Rice make a catch, he'd immediately run over to the sidelines and all these packages and getting so cute. They need to get into a rhythm. Devonta Smith and um, A.J. Brown played 95% of the snaps for the Eagles last night. Okay? Those are their go-to guys. Patrick Mahomes at the wide receiver position needs some go-to guys. He needs to learn them. They need to learn him. They need to get as many reps as possible. Here, here's my solution for how – I don't know that this will fix the Chiefs' offense, but I think that this is their best bet, okay? If you'll bear with me for a second. MVS, nail him to the bench. He's just not – he's not giving it to you this year in the way that he was last year, right? So just stop playing him because – if when he gets the opportunity, like he did last night, to finally make a play, and he does that, he's there's no point to him, right? Nail Sky Moore to the bench. It's the same thing with Sky Moore. We've seen enough. He's had enough snaps. He doesn't. He doesn't produce. He just doesn't produce. So nail him to the bench. This is what I think they should do. I think that they should roll out there with Kadarius Tony on the outside, with Rasheed Rice in the slot and McCall Hardman on the other side of the field. Those three guys. I, look, I hate to say it, McCall Hardman is the most accomplished wide receiver on this team. 
It's just the like go look at the stats. You you can have like him and Vada Scantling, like what they've done in the past is one A and one B, but it is what it is. At least he knows the playbook. Oh. Right? And he's got some rapport with Patrick Mahomes. We know the other guys can't do it. They've proven this year that they can't. The Rasheed Rice thing, him playing 45 snaps, that for those who don't have the snap counts, that's 50%, 57% of the snaps that were available last night on offense. He's got some issues, right? Rasheed Rice is not a polished wide receiver. There's a reason why he went in the second round and not the first, because he's not, he's not that great yet. But people that go in the second usually are a little bit more raw, but have a lot of talent and a lot of upside. Get him out there. Now, if the if the receivers were playing better, right? Like if, if you had Juju Smith-Schuster or Valdez Scantling was playing more like he was last year, then I would be okay with this Rasheed Rice snap count because like you're trying to work him in, he's going to make some mistakes, you know, and you want to you want to work him in. But since nobody else is performing, there is no you might as well like if you're going to live with nothing from Sky Moore and nothing from MVS and drops from those guys, then you might as well live with mistakes from Rasheed Rice as an investment in his future to accelerate his growth. He's not going to learn anything standing on the sideline, watching MVS run wind sprints and watching Watson play above his talent level. So just don't do it. When those guys need rest, fine. Rotate in MVS, rotate in Watson for a couple of plays. But like if I would be thrilled if I looked at this, thing next week and it was Kadarius Tony played 95% of the offensive snaps Rasheed Rice played 95% of the offensive snaps it might not work Rasheed Rice might have a bunch of drops and Kadarius Tony might be a ghost he might be you know another Sky Moore out there but we know he's more talented physically than Sky Moore so sorry for the long rant but like I just think why not right It, it either works or you're still in the same boat that you're in but like what they're doing right now with the wide receivers and the rotation and all this shit it doesn't work it has not worked so why not try something different? Give guys enough snaps to get on the same page with Mahomes and see what happens. Play those guys with the talent. Invest in Rasheed Rice's growth and development. I don't. They're not going to do it because there's a lot of hubris with this coaching staff. But I think I think that would be their best bet. So you and I are on the same page to an extent. Again, my thing is if MVS and Watson's been fine this year, again, as you mentioned, he's been fine, but I still don't want to see him be the focal point of the offense. He's fine in a nutshell, but when he gets the focal point of an offense, what happens? He ain't going to put it up. He's going to have a couple drops. See those two back-to-back plays where he short-armed a ball over the middle, just alligator-armed it, and then proceeded on the next play on the punt return to just completely miss it. I mean, those were two back-to-back, just absolutely brutal plays in it up. And not only a first down, but they need a chance to redeem himself. And instead, it goes for a net yard of 19 yards in the punt right there. That was brutal. Uh, which, by the way, what a horrible decision from, from Andy Reid. I mean, how scared do you have to be? You're on the opponent's, what, 39-yard line? The 39-yard line with Patrick Mahomes. I get your receivers have been brutal. You just dropped a ball, but you don't have any stones. Come on now. That goes down as one of the most cowardly punts. And I can even say your defense has been great, but your defense has been great. And by the way, they're getting gassed, man. They're getting gassed. At least run one more play to try and help them out. It's brutal. You can't but, hold that. You can't hold that offense down for I don't care if, how good you are on defense. Those guys are good. You're not going to hold them down for 60 minutes if your offense keeps going three and out and turning the ball over and stuff. Like the fact that they only give up 21 points in that game is a, a small miracle. 
Yeah, they, they, they are elite. And we will talk about the positives of the defense in just a moment. But I, again, I want to uh, keep focusing on this because I'm with you. If, if you're going to make mistakes with veterans, if they don't know where to be, if MVS still can't figure out to come back to the ball, if Justin Watson can't figure out how to come back to the ball, if they can't figure out how to put their hands up and not alligator arm it, then do the same thing with your young guys. It's why I've been way less critical of Sky Moore than some of the veterans. Because Sky Moore, to an extent, is still young. He's still learning, okay? I understand a lot of people have their mind made up on him. You know, I, I maybe am trending in that way as well. But again, I will give more... Um, I will be less hard on Sky than I would be on MVS. MVS has been here six years and getting paid $10 million a year, Okay. Sky Moore's on a rookie contract in his second year, coming out of a very small school. A little bit of a difference here. So I'm with you. Play the young guys. Uh, it's a little aside so we can maybe lighten the mood in here. What about Clyde Edwards-Alaire? He only played uh, four snaps last night. Those were damn good four snaps. I'll tell you what. That dude was looking like Eddie Lacy out there. I'm assuming it was because he was wearing a lot of uh, layers. But that dude was thick, and he was running like at least a prime Eddie Lacy out there. Yeah, I mean, it was a nice couple carries from him. Like, that's exactly how much you sh- of CEH you should be seeing. And only because, and only because, the Chiefs actually used Isaiah Pacheco last night. I've complained about two carries to CEH in games where they gave Pacheco like eight, nine carries. I'm like, why are you putting him out? Like, Pacheco's not tired when you're not using him, right? So use, run Pacheco over 20 times. And if you're if you're gonna do that, fine. I, I'm I'm go ahead and put Clyde out there for a couple carries to spell him. That's fine. That's exactly what his role should be. Period. End of story. But what about Jarek McKinnon, man? He's got actually a decent amount of snaps. I'm looking at this here, 24 snaps. So that's 30. percent That seems about right ish for him. But they're not. It doesn't seem like they're using him in the screen game like they were last year. Yeah. When they need they need something. From the offense, I, like I just when they struggled last year, sometimes points in the middle of the season, like all of a sudden they start going to going to this guy, and he was wait, wasn't he their second leading receiver after something like that last year, like second or third? And now they hardly give him the ball at all. I don't understand it. Like it, maybe he's washed. Like maybe we just haven't seen it, and they've got him in camp, and they're like, this dude, we can use him for pass blocking, but he's toast. Maybe that's the case, but. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. He was so successful last year. Why not start using him? I mean, and now's the time, man. You yeah. just thought on the number one seed. A couple of questions in the chat or comments that I think uh, are pretty, pretty entertaining here. Tom Hood says, we were dominating the Eagles and should have blown them out if the offense could have just scored one touchdown in the second half. The Chiefs win that game. I am with you. Casey DC says, come on, does no one really see what happened? Andy gave Jason his one and only win against his brother, Uncle Trav. 100%. I'm with you. That, that's what it was. This is Galaxy Brain. I'm with you, sure. Casey DC. Yeah. Uh, Michael Antonio says, Casey seems to be losing to teams with fast animal mascots. What other swift beasts are on their schedule? Astute observation, Michael. Astute. Um, and then gone to the beast again says, I just don't understand it. This is the same wide receiver core from last year minus Juju. And that is what's frustrating here was this same wide receiver core. Basically rice is the new addition of Juju. And quite frankly, I think rice is better than Juju. I'm not saying compared to last year to this year, but if you see what Juju was this year, right? He is not him. He's not himself. He, he looks that and he looks toast, man. And Rasheed rice has been solid. So where is the disconnect? Where is the the disconnect? I understand Brett Veach, you know, to an extent saying, why would I make a huge move 
The Chiefs just got it done last year with the same wide receiver core. Why right. I make a massive move here? You know, I think there's actually a little bit of a uh, conversation to be had there. I agree. I said the same thing last night. Like, you kind of almost can't blame him. I mean, you have to blame him, but you, 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 well, they just won the Super Bowl. And you get Rasheed Rice, and you're like, okay, this guy's he can replace Juju. We can replace with a couple of guys. We can replace Juju, right? And we've basically got the same group. But here's here's the thing, man. Travis Kelsey's a year older. You have two new tackles. Defenses have had an entire offseason to look at the tape from Patrick's MVP season and their Super Bowl run and the, and the way that you adjusted to the shell coverages. And the defenses have adjusted. This is what happens in the NFL. Like you don't just find a system that works and it just works in perpetuity. That's not how it works. Like they're going to figure out a way to slow it down and, and muck things up. So that last year was awesome. It worked for them all year long and they won the Super Bowl. It was incredible. Yeah. That was last year. So yes, it is pretty much the exact same receiving core, but they're not performing like they did last year. So last year doesn't matter this year. The evaluation is MVS seems like he's toast. He's not, he's not consistent. He's not your reliable veteran. Watson's actually probably been a little bit better than he was last year. It's just the struggles of the wide receiver core has forced him into a role where you're seeing why he's not like a number one type receiver. He's like a number four or five receiver who can do some things nicely. It's just, right, like I, I'll use myself as, as an example, right? I, you know I'm an actor. I got my, I got my master's in acting in New York. I'm a pretty good actor. I am a below average singer. I'm not a terrible singer. I'm not tone deaf, but I'm a below average singer. Okay. So I could do a college musical and like carry a role or maybe some community theater, not maybe like a really difficult one, but like I could be passable and like people wouldn't maybe feel like they didn't get their money's worth, but you would not want to put me in Broadway and a musical. I'm not good enough. Right. I'm just not good. I'm just not talented enough. I can't sing well enough. Well, like that's just that's Watson in this offense. He's not good enough to be playing this much. And there's not a go to guy right now. And that is the problem. When you combine the fact that MVS is playing has regressed. Kelsey's a year older, he's slowing down a little bit, maybe. And the rest of the offense isn't working around around a guy like Watson. It's not really Watson's fault. You know, just like it wouldn't be my fault if you if you cast me as Danny and Grease on Broadway, I would get panned. They'd be like, this dude is terrible. Also, he's far too old. Um, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just the situation. And, and it sucks. But, like, there's not really much the Chiefs can do because the trade deadline has passed. That was the time to try to make it a, a big swerve. They're going to hold the course and see if they can figure it out. And you should at least feel confident in the coaching staff. They're really good. But, again... At a certain point, they're going to have to do something drastic. And I think that I think that is playing the same guys, by and large, that give you the best chance. And Rasheed Rice is the only guy on, on the wide, in wide receiver core that is an ascending player. You should be able to say that about Sky Moore, but he's actually seems like he's getting worse than he was last year. So that's your best bet is more of the Rasheed Rice guy because when he does get into the game, he produces. He produces. And for, and, and, and they may want to take a, take a look at Richie James. Like, they, uh, you know, the, you know what's not working. It's not working. 
you're but, 10 games in. Like, it's time to try something different. It might You might get the same result. And if that's the case, then you're going to lose in the second round of the playoffs, probably. And, and maybe you get lucky and make the AFC Championship game, and then you got to go back to the drawing board, and you got to re you got to retool just like they did when they retooled the offensive line. But it is what it is. This is the team they've got. Before I get to some Brett Veach talks, I think it's a necessary conversation that we should have. I have some very serious questions I have to ask you first. Um, what is your karaoke song? You know, the last time I did, I don't do a ton of karaoke. But the last time I did karaoke, I did uh, Here I Go Again by White Snake. Wow. That is a bold, bold choice. Are you kidding it me? It was. Have- I, I couldn't hit the high notes. But, I mean, I, I have a hard time hitting the high notes anyway. But, like, my voice was gone because it was at a conference and I'd been, you know, shouting in bars for three days. It was a bad sure. It was a bad choice. I should have went with something. My voice was so low, I should have been doing Barry White. But uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a good go-to. You know what, you know what the – the song to go with if you just you're terrified of singing or you don't want to sing it is it's tequila. tequila. Yeah, yeah that's, my, that's my go-to tequila or Mother by Danzig. I can sing a little Mother by Danzig or Follow Me by Uncle Cracker. If you want to go with a little uh, me and my fiance sometimes we'll sing Picture by Cheryl Crow and Kid Rock. That's another good one there. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, I'm a little bummed you and I did not sing karaoke when you were in town. Instead, I kicked your ass playing pool and darts at the diviest dive bar in the history of dive bars. Uh, so Vegas, man, we'll find a place in Vegas. We will find a place in Vegas. Um, news hasn't broke yet. News hasn't broke yet. But again, I want to bring up Brett Veach because I don't know how to view this because Brett v- Brett Veach, obviously, you just won a Super Bowl. You've won two Super Bowls, been to three. You've had this incredible streak in the AFC. You've hit on a lot of great draft picks. You know, Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, uh, Bolton, Willie Gay Jr. Now, I think you can almost say he's a hit. Legereus Sneed, you've hit on late round guys. Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson. You've hit all over the draft except for wide receiver. But you've also kind of started this struggle with Clyde Edwards-Alaire using a first rounder on him. When you don't have a lot of first rounders to work with, because at times you get a little aggressive and trade him away, you got to hit on him. Now I get, you're not drafting one, two, three. You're not drafting top 10. You're drafting in the bottom of every single draft, every single year, because you are perpetually good. But at some point, how do you view Brett Veach? For the lack of moves, you look around the NFL, every team has at least one receiver. A lot have two. Rookies are automatically coming in and making major impacts. Look at Tank Dell this year. And that's not a first rounder. I'm not going to bring up Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson, guys who are top 15 draft picks. That's unfair. But talk about guys in the second round, guys in the third round, guys like Puka Nakua in the fifth round, right? Like where is the Brett Veach wide receiver you can tip your hat and point to and say yeah that's a guy because every other position he has hit on which by the way i'm not saying fire brett veach i am not trying to sit here and say brett veach is a bad gm he's probably one of the best if not the best gms in football right but there is a fatal flaw right now that we are seeing and that's identifying wide receivers yeah look i mean it's it's hard right because we don't we're not in the room and we don't know how these draft boards fall and who they have like they might have loved puka nakua but just things worked out differently. They got Rishi Rice. They felt good. They were they had their money on Sky Moore, and they went different ways. Some of the some of the players that they have right now, you can point to a draft and say, well, they could have gotten this receiver, but maybe they went another way. Look, he put together an all world defense that they have right now, which is incredible. And based on how they performed last year, 
with the basically the same receiving core, you kind of can't blame him to think like things would 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 be pretty good, right? And but it's Sky Moore would you would think that Sky Moore would take that step. I'm sure that's yeah. the ma- the major one here. You're 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 counting on the horses that that, that you you bet on, but you you're nobody's going to hit. He's hit at a ridiculous rate in the draft. He's been fantastic. I don't know if it's him. There's a whole scouting department out there looking at receivers. So it could be the types of players that they're going after. Maybe that's a weakness in their scouting department. They need to reevaluate who they've got out there. Maybe it's maybe it's an Andy Reid thing. You know, Andy Reid's got some say. Like maybe he's like, I like this guy, and they draft him, and it doesn't work out. Uh, it's hard for us to know if it's exactly Veach's fault. But what we do know is, at the end of the day, and he'd tell you this, he's accountable. He puts yeah. together the roster, and part of the roster is not working well, and that's on him. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, there, there's going to be a disconnect somewhere. Andy Reid, for as great of a head coach as he is, he's only had five wide receivers. Adam Best came up with this, with five wide receivers go over a thousand yards in his coaching tenure. That's surprisingly low. You know, obviously Tyreek Hill did it multiple times. Jeremy Macklin did it multiple times. I get all that, but still, it's it's pretty, pretty damn low. Um, I don't know if Andy Reid's scheme is just too convoluted. I don't know if the Chiefs are trying to find... Um, non me first guys because George Pickens was a me first guy like we know that but look what he is doing DK Metcalf kind of has that me first uh, attitude but look what he's doing you took the more team player route with McCole Hardman with Sky Moore but I think at wide receiver of all positions don't you want a little me first don't you want a little bit of that attitude of throw me the damn ball I'm not saying you have to have Stefan Diggs attitude, but a talent level of MVS. But when those talent level and attitude match up, you have a very dangerous player on your hand. Chiefs don't have that. So I don't know if it's scouting, development, interviewing, disconnect, but there's obviously something wrong there. Again, just how the Steelers struggle identifying at certain spots. They always seem to nail wide receivers. Chiefs are the complete opposite. Yeah, I think it's even more so like, you know, me first. It's more to me, it's like, it's, 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 um, it's swagger, right? It's an alpha mentality. Jamar Chase has it. Um, you, you mentioned Pickens. He's that kind of guy, DK Metcalf. Like these guys want the ball. They go up and get it. They're, they're tough. They're physical. And when I look at the Chiefs wide receiving group right now, like Watson, MVS, like these aren't, these guys aren't intimidating anybody. Um, so yeah, you, you want you want some alpha dogs out there, and you see it. Do you know who has it on this offense? Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, Isaiah Pacheco is like <laughs> he has an identity as an offensive player, right? Just like Mahomes does. He has an identity. When that dude gets the ball, like when Ceh gets the ball, you're like, okay, it's a dude. It's a it's a generic NFL running back, right? When Isaiah Pacheco gets the ball, he's like, I'm about something. And here's what I'm about. I'm a seventh round pick out of Rutgers. I'm going to run my ass off. Like, I might not be the fastest. I might not be. He's old. Oh, he is pretty fast. I, you know, I might not be the, 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 the highest draft stock guy, but man, ain't nobody going to outwork me. You are going to have to earn every tackle. I'm going to run at you so damn hard that by the time you get to the fourth quarter, you're going to be battered and bruised. I only, might only get two yards, but like, you're going to feel it. And that's who that dude is. And at the re- and, and, and at the receiving position, Kelsey's got swagger, yeah. right? At the, but at the receiving position, it's just a bunch of guys, man. It's just a bunch of guys. There's a little bit of juice with Rice. There's a little bit of juice there, but we need to see more.
I love this from Tom says our wide receivers look like they don't want the ball. I think it's almost a good point though. Like if you've played baseball growing up, right? Let's just say you made an error. Let's say you're, you're shortstop. You made an error that of course this couldn't be me. Right. Cause I never made errors, but let's just say I did the next ball. Some guys are like, hit it at me. I want the ball hit at me. I want to make up for the other guys. Like, you know what? Hit, hit it to third. Hit, yeah. Don't hit it towards me. Hit, hit it towards third. And it seems like this group of guys has a whole bunch of, hey, don't hit it towards me, hit it to third. And you can't have that, especially at this level. Uh, Again, I I don't think Brett Veach is uh, this massive issue. I understand he struggled at wide receiver, but for all the thoughts of, you know, fire Brett Veach, he's going to be on the hot seat. I saw a lot of that after that game. That's absurd, guys. Come on. Three Super Bowls he's been to. He's won two. No one is perfect. Okay. We know that GMs make mistakes. GMs make mistakes. Um, but at the end of the day, when you're having this type of success, I'm not saying you can't do any wrong, but I'm saying stick with the guy you know instead of trying to get perfection because perfection is the enemy of good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Matt Nagy. I've seen a lot of Matt Nagy in here, okay? You know, from Verderam, it's Andy Reid calling the plays. You know, I, I know everyone loves to find a scapegoat. You know, at one point, Eric Bieniemy was the scapegoat, right? And now all the same people who are blaming Eric Bieniemy are now praising him, saying they need him back. They need that attitude. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I can't get that worked up about Matt Nagy just based on the fact that I don't believe he calls plays. I don't know how much of an input he has. You know, if you're going to point to one guy and you, you, you're thinking you need to make a, a make a stand – I mean, I guess you can blame him, but I have a hard time putting this all and pinning it all on Matt Nagy. No, man, it's Andy's offense. It's Andy Reid. He's an offensive genius. I said this last night. Matt Nagy didn't walk back into the building and hand Andy Reid his playbook from the Bears and was like, we're running this now because I'm the offensive coordinator. Like, all he does, of course, just like all the coaches, he has some input on some things, but like, do you think Andy, if he's got like terrible ideas, Andy's like, yeah, let's just go with that. Like, that's not it's here's what's happening. Matt Nagy is a punching bag in Chicago, right? And because things didn't go well, even though he went to the he took Mitch Trubisky to the playoffs. He won um, coach of the year. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it, it didn't go great, but that's that organization's not great. And you know, it's hard to succeed as a head coach. It doesn't mean he's a bad coach. He just he had a bad run. It didn't work out, right? It wasn't a disaster, but it didn't work out. And everyone's mad about how the Chiefs are performing. And so he's just a convenient scapegoat. But like, if you think that Matt Nagy's the issue, you're wrong. You're just, you're flat out wrong. You could not be more wrong. This is Andy Reid's offense. It's his plays. He's calling them during the game. And Matt Nagy is like, they could put me on the sideline on game day. And and Andy could be like, run this play. And I'm like, Pat, we're running this play. That's what he's doing on game day. Now, all of the coaches are responsible for the poor performance, Matt Nagy included. Yes. But to suggest that Matt, Matt Nagy is the reason, is the reason why all this is happening is preposterous. It's just as preposterous as when Eric Bieniemy was going out there and interviewing for jobs and wasn't getting hired as a head coach. People were like, well, Eric Bieniemy doesn't, he doesn't have anything to do with anything. He doesn't call any of the plays. That's why. No, we know Eric Bieniemy had input. He gave the Chiefs the play on the goal line that they used twice in the Super Bowl, right? That was his idea, and they ran it. But, like, again, 
most of the credit goes to Andy Reid because it's Andy Reid's playbook. It's Andy Reid's plays. Matt Nagy is there. He's a coach. He's a senior advisor. Like it's the, it's it's the personnel, you guys. Like they're not executing. Yeah. The personnel is not executing. It's not Matt Nagy's fault that the tackles keep getting holding penalties and he keeps dropping off sides. It's not Matt Nagy's fault that Patrick Mahomes is making bad, bad decisions. It's not Matt Nagy's fault that Travis Kelsey had his one fumble of the year in the worst possible time like he always does. It's just not. It's not his fault that Christian Watson's, that Justin Watson's getting the ball thrown to him and hitting him in the hands and he's dropping it. Or the MVS is wide open and he drops it. But what's Matt Nagy supposed to do? Go out there and help him catch the ball? He's wide open. Yeah. It's it, just the players, man. They're not executing. It's again why it's the same thing when Ken Dorsey was canned as OC from the Bills. You know, they're moving the ball, but he's not the guy who made Josh Allen apparently drop acid and go out there and play football. Like, you know, I understand people's concerns. I understand people who are angry at, was it Connor Embry, the wide receiver coach? I get that stuff, man. End of the day, I don't think that's the major issue. I don't. I hear people are saying, you know, Eric Bieniemy helped keep these guys accountable, culture, all that stuff. Yeah, it, it matters. Yeah. Eric Bieniemy. I mean, I, again, I, I think he maybe made a difference. I, I do think he made a difference. These are professional athletes, man. It's under Andy Reid's tree. It's under his umbrella. Right. I, I just think that the wide receivers are bad, and I don't think I don't think you get the best wide receiver coach out there. All of a sudden, these guys are a whole bunch of all pros. That I don't think is happening. I think my dog agrees with me right now as he just uh, wanted to uh, say hi. Um, let's talk about the defense. So I, I want to be positive here, okay? Because there were, as I mentioned, some positive takeaways. I want to start with Trent McDuffie, who just might be the best cornerback in the NFL. Him and Sauce Gardner, the two most important, two best ascending corners in the NFL. They are absolutely incredible. You know, he forced his fifth fumble last night. Uh, Trent McDuffie had two sacks. He's great in the run game, great getting sent on a blitz. He's great in coverage. He doesn't force a lot of interceptions, but because he's never getting beat, I think guys are scared to throw the ball in McDuffie's area. What have you seen from Trent McDuffie? This is really an ensemble defense. I really believe that. Uh, All the pieces fit together really well. So credit to, to... Legereus Sneed helps McDuffie shine. McDuffie helps Legereus Sneed shine. Cook, like the safeties, everybody, the linebackers. But Trent McDuffie is a, just a dog. He is an absolute dog. He's first-team All-Pro in my book. It may already be decided. We talked earlier in the season about like how could he make an All-Pro team, and it would have to be because he's not that big of a name yet. He'd have to keep making splash plays in prime time, to, to, and, and he's done that. I mean, the game, the game against uh, the Dolphins, th- this game, he can be utilized in so many different ways. He can tackle, he can cover, he can play inside, he can play outside. He, he's just a, such a spectacular weapon. He's a multiple weapon. And then for Snead to do what he did last night and hold A.J. Brown to eight yards on one reception and like those penalties, see, that's the thing, right? Like the penalties that the tackles are getting sometimes, and they they run, they they pass block pretty well, but they're killing drives. This you want that aggressiveness from Lejerry Sneed. Like I don't yes. give a shit, man. Like okay, so he gets a couple illegal contacts. Fine, don't care, don't care. Well, how many how many catches does AJ Brown get? One for eight. That'll work. <laughs> That'll play. Um, that's gonna be that's gonna make me happy. So there, the the defense has an identity. Yeah. that the offense is lacking. And for years, it was the complete opposite, right? 
the offense, high-flying, Tyreek, Travis, Pat. Now it's like Chris Jones and O'Menahue and Furious George and McDuffie. I mean, they're the ones with the identity, and the offense is the one that's just sort of like, yeah, we could win this game if the offense could just score another touchdown. I, I can't – I never thought we'd say that, but th- here we are. Without Nick Bolton. I mean, this Without is absurd. The, the Eagles are an incredible running team. They're an incredible passing team. They've been amazing all season long. And the Chiefs just said, no, you're basically the Jets to us. Like, I, I was talking to some Eagles fans post game, and, and they were saying they had never seen Jalen Hurts that rattled before. Never. I mean, it didn't matter. Pressure was coming from everywhere. And again, this is a very, very good offensive line. Didn't matter. The Chiefs were getting after him with every guy, with design blitzes, with front four. And I was really happy to see early in that game, the Chiefs actually went to a base 4-3 with Leo, Willie, and um, um, Drew Tranquil on the field at the same time. Eagles could not run against him. Leo is a problem. He is incredible as a run stuffer. You add Nick Nick Bolton back in the equation here when he gets back and healthy. Holy shit. This yeah. linebacking core is one of, if not the best in the NFL. I mean, again, I know we're laughing saying you have to be the 85 Bears. And yeah, they're not the 85 Bears, but they're damn close. I mean, this Chiefs defense is elite. It's electric. They don't force a lot of interceptions necessarily, but they play very, very physical. Spagnolo is... Uh, Michelangelo out here. He's Picasso. Everything he touches is a masterpiece. You know, Mike Dana has been good. Carl Loftus has been good. Um, It doesn't matter. I've been so enthused by this Chiefs defense. You know, when the weather gets colder, when it comes playoff time, if this Chiefs offense is still sputtering, they will have hope because this Chiefs defense will keep them in every single game, no matter the offense. Yeah, look, right... Coach it like players need coaches, right? Good coaches, but coaches need good players. Every single year since he has been in Kansas City, I've seen the Chiefs need to fire Steve Spagnola. Steve Spagnola is terrible. Get rid of Spagnola anytime the defense struggles. This is like this is his masterpiece. Like this is the defense he's been waiting for probably his entire life. Well, he may have had one. Was it 08 with the Giants? Those guys were pretty good. Those those guys are pretty good. But I think this, I mean, what he's got now is just, they're so multiple. They can do so many different things. Uh, It's really beautiful to watch. And he's able to, a lot of times he's done a nice job of like playing, but he's really good at like knowing his personnel. And in the years where they couldn't do this, he would run different plays. There were years where they were like, they're bend but don't break, tighten up in the red zone. We don't have the guys in the back end to do this. You're playing Dan Sorensen and people like that back there. Now with this crew, I mean, he's in his bag calling these plays. Oh, I'm going to have McDuff- like McDuffie's going to lead the team in sacks this week. Or I could, I could, I could blitz Brian Cook. I can blitz Legereus Sneed. Like, I guarantee you, like Legereus Sneed used to be like his corner blitz guy you know, early in Snead's career. And this year it's been McDuffie. Don't be surprised if like down the stretch here, he flips it and when, when it's the right matchup, right? Like last night he wanted, he wanted Snead on, on, on Brown and that was it. But like he'll flip it. When he gets the right matchup, Snead will have a two-sack game. He's able to just, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a chef 
you know, and he had been cooking in like my kitchen and he's got like a brick of Velveeta and an onion and like you just pick them up and like you drop them into like an all all world test kitchen with high end equipment and like a butcher like right there. Like, what do you want? Cutting it right off the cow. Like that's what he has with this. He has prime pieces and it should be a reminder to all of us about this offense. You've seen what Andy Reid can do when he's got Tyree Kill and prime Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and what kind of offense you can have right now. They just don't have the horses on offense, they probably, I mean, could you imagine this group of wide receivers if they were getting coached by Matt Canada? Like <laughs> God almighty. And could you imagine if you took the weapon, if you took Deontay Johnson and, 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 and um, Pickens and, and, uh, and put them on the chiefs right now with Andy Reid, your problems would be solved. So it's a two way street. So just blaming the coaches and just blaming the play. Like it's a two way street. We know we've got the coaching staff, but they just don't have the players right now. And there's no one. I was talking on the podcast last night about I was like, I wonder if Tony can still run. Tony G. How old's Tony G? He's 47. Probably won't work out, but he can catch. Dwayne Bowe? What? Dwayne Bowe, maybe? You know Dwayne Bowe? Dwayne Bowe wants to People swing were, by. In the chat, they were like, Jarvis Landry is a free agent. J- John Baldwin? All right. Now, don't, don't, let's not go crazy. What? <laughs> there's, but there's nobody walking through that door to fix it, right? It Player-wise. It has to happen in the building with scheme and with the guys they got. They got to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to get this comment earlier. Thank you, Bumpa BB, for the super chat. Always appreciate you, Bumpa. Says Kelsey cooked, talking about retirement, always hurt. I don't want to say he's cooked. He's still on pace for over a K. He's still the best tight end in football. He's talking about retirement a little bit more than I would like. I know this whole story with Taylor Swift is anytime he has a bad game, People are going to point towards it. Anytime he has a good game, no one cares. No one cares. There's just been a lot of disconnect offensively. I am not going to say he's cooked. I really am not. I mean, it's a brutal job. You're having a car wreck every weekend. And when you get to be his age, it hurts more. It's hard. You, You hear this all the time from players, right? You hear it from his brother who's still out there. What's going to make like he has nothing left to prove. So what's going to make you go out there every week? And it's it's that you're having fun. Like if the Eagles, if the Eagles lost in like the divisional round last year, Jason Kelsey probably would have retired because, you know, like he's like, yeah, we lost in the divisional round. Like I'm tired. You know, if you watch the documentary with them, he was struggling with the decision making to even come back last year. But they go to the Super Bowl. They're this close. He must have had and he had a blast with his brother and the podcast and all that stuff. So fun's a big part of it. it that, that if you're having a good time, even if you don't quite get there, you need to have a really good time and then it might be worth it. Otherwise, it just becomes work playing this game. And I think right now, Travis Kelsey, he was having a blast last year. And probably early in the season, Taylor Swift and all this stuff, he's probably having a lot of fun. But this offense is struggling to the point where he's very frustrated. And so it's not fun. And yeah, your mind's going to go to places like that. But I think if they can get it together and, and get that offense moving again, he'll start having fun again. It'll be, it'll be all right. Um, But yeah, you never want to hear Travis Kelsey use the word, the R word. Yeah. Uh, My final thoughts before we get to our must list, which Patrick, you are going to do with us. You are filling in for Matt Connor, which means you get to join the most, um, 
out there segment possible, which is the must list, which we do. But my final thought here is I think the Chiefs are who they are. They are a team where we keep wanting and praying and hoping that the offense is going to figure it out. And while they might get a little bit better, that's going to come from not turning the ball over and not having penalties. And that's where my concern lies. I think the penalties can get cleaned up. I don't know how often you're going to see Mahomes and Travis Kelsey both uh, have a back-breaking turnover in the red zone. But I will say the penalties have been a problem, and they will probably continue to be a problem. In an Andy Reid-led team, that has almost continuously been a problem. And by the way... Donovan Smith, throughout his entire career, has had issues with penalties. Juwan Taylor as well, uh, not necessarily throughout his tenure in Jacksonville, but this year seemingly he's going to get a penalty a game or so. They are who they are. Defense first, and you got to be buttoned up. You can't make turnovers, and you can't have penalties. They are not explosive enough, like in past years, to make up for it. I'm with you, man. They need to reconfigure the offense a little bit. And that's probably the most deflating thing about last night was that they were coming off a bye and you thought, okay, like, and he's going to get in the lab. He's going to figure this out. And it just looked like the same exact thing. And that that's, that's the most frustrating and deflating part of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, Richard, get your ass in here. It is time for the must list. What's up everybody. How's it going? We've been a little down in the dumps, Richard. We've been a little sad. <laughs> it's time for you to bring us some joy. All right. Well, it's not the, it's not going to be too out there this week, or maybe it is. Every, everything's out there for Sterling because Sterling doesn't get out out there. Um, but I'm going to recommend a new show on Netflix that came out last Friday. Uh, Scott Pilgrim takes off. I had no hopes for that show. I I, I actually don't even like the movie that much. Um, I've read the comics; they're okay. But they um, they really turned it around. It's like a it's like a what if. I don't know if anyone's familiar with like Marvel what ifs, where they're like, what if Uncle Ben didn't die? What if this happened? So they they do a big what if in the first episode, and they change the entire story of 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 Scott Pilgrim, the comic book, and it's really interesting. It actually hooked me in. I was gonna jump off after the first episode. So yeah, if you're on the fence about that show, uh, check it out. It's fun. Eight episodes, forty minutes each. It, it's a breeze. That was pretty normal for you. You know what, Richard? I'll give you that one. That was pretty normal for Richard. Do you want me Patrick, to recommend like some clown music really quick? No, dude. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, no? Patrick. Okay. He, he typically recommends like clown music or like uh, Alvin and the Chipmunk style pop music. I never understand it. I, I think I'm a boomer. Uh, Patrick, what do you got for us? All right. I'll recommend a band that I came across. Um, they're not super famous. They're not totally obscure either. I came across them on Spotify recommendation. I'm like a big... If you kind of like singer songwriter types, like uh, the Avet Brothers, I was probably listening to like Avet Brothers radio. Uh, I got another brother, two brothers for you. Check out the Wood Brothers. If you like that kind of music, they've got a, a, a folky, a um, little bit of a country like bluesish vibe to them. The guy's got a really incredible voice, sort of like uh, not quite Dave Matthews, but like in that like realm of uniqueness. They got a couple uh, really good songs, uh, Luckiest Man, The Muse. Check them out on Spotify. I really dig them. Great, good, easy listen while you're cooking dinner, hanging out, something like that. So check out the Wood Brothers. Uh, I recommend the Chiefs defense and highly disrecommend uh, the Chiefs offense. Yeah, uh, Chiefs offense gets one out of five stars, while the Chiefs defense somehow 11 out of 10. Very impressive, Chief Stevens. Way to, way to break the scale. Uh, seriously, though, I'm going to go with a band called The Beths. I've done them before. This was a long time ago. They're a band from New Zealand. They're killer. Really good. Kind of soft rock, but 
They got some songs that really kick some ass. I listened to their newest album today while I was doing a little cleaning around the house. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. I forgot how much this, this is, this is badass. And not many people know them. So if you want to listen to a band from New Zealand, I could not recommend more The Beths. Very good. A couple music recommendations here. Yeah, Richard. I'm usually a movie guy, horror movies, stuff like that. Scott Pilgrim's a show about music, so I mean, it's it's in the there same vein. We're on, we're on track here. The theme. Yeah, we're, uh, we're synchronized. And then Matt Connor just chimed in with uh, Grimace. I'm kidding. He didn't chime in. I just I just figured he would pick Grimace because he loves Grimace for some just reason. Although I think the Chiefs' offense could use Grimace, right? Use him in twelve personnel. Think might be might be decent. Put him at fullback. Just put him out there to like just. Put them out there in the backfield, and the defense will just get confused and be like, "What is that?" And then, <gasps> you know, but they'll still drop the ball. That's the problem. Final, final, final thought. Okay, one positive here. Third and one. What did the Chiefs do? Right up the middle. Halfback gut run with Isaiah Pacheco. <laughs> but that up. was the price. The yeah. price was a Travis Kelsey fumble. It was one for one. You run a normal running back play on third and one. What happens? You have to have your best player fumble. Those are the rules. Guys, this is fun. Patrick, I really enjoyed doing this with you. I never get to do this with you, and I miss you so much. We will be doing a lot more together. Richard, always appreciate you behind the glass doing your thing. Thank you to everyone in the chat. Thank you for all of your, your donations, your comments, your likes, your positivity, even your negativity, okay? It keeps us going. I thrive on negativity. If you guys could give us a nice review on podcast, wherever you listen, that would be a huge, huge boost. Until next time, we are out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.